Malachi verses 4 through 9. Know this, that I issued this decree against you so that my covenant with Levi will endure, says Yahweh. My covenant with Levi was one of life and peace, and I gave him the duty of reverence. Levi revered me and lived in awe of my name. Because Levi, a priest, gave true instruction and no word of injustice fell from his lips, Levi walked in harmony and uprightness with me and turned many people from evil doing. For the faithful hang on the words of the priests and seek knowledge and instructions from them, for they are called to be messengers of Yahweh. But you turned aside from the path. You caused many to stumble with your instructions. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says Yahweh. So I in turn made you contemptible and vile to the whole people because you did not keep to my path but showed partiality in the way you administered the law. It's probably about uh, 2016 when a famed preacher from the Chicago area, Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright, preached a sermon that some of you may recall hearing about anyway. He preached a sermon in which he said that God should curse America if America didn't live up to its values of who it's called to be in the world. Now at the time, if you'll recall this, if for those of you who remember it, and I'll give context for those of you who don't, at the time there was a little bit of reaction about this sermon. Uh, that was understatement. There seemed to be a lot of reaction. Particularly for a lot of Christians, there seemed to be a lot of angst about this sermon from a lot of people. Now I remember at the time thinking to myself, have these folks like not read the prophets before? Okay. I'm going to say more about what I mean by that. The prophets are a significant part of the Hebrew Bible and therefore also the Christian imagination. They're the folks who remind people and remind the people when they've lost their way. They call them back to right relationship, and throughout the prophets, some of the themes we'll be looking at is the way that in order to be faithful, it's not about like looking like the right kind of faithful person, giving, giving the right sacrifices, going to temple or church in our case, but it's really about how we live. And for the people of Israel, it was, are you being the people who are ensuring that the poor, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, that they're cared for in your midst. And this is part of how you live out covenant faithfulness. And whenever that goes astray or it goes sideways, the prophets come in and are like, God's going to curse you. This isn't going well, people. Get your stuff together and come back. Okay. Again and again, they do this. This is why probably for me as a person, and human, and Christian, and American, I value the role of critique. In our current political environment, often we frame things up, right, as if this one group thinks all this and this other group thinks all that, and you can't possibly say something like, hey, I have some concerns or questions 
where it often, often folks will say then, okay, you can leave or you're clearly against it. For me, for instance, as a person who is an American, is from the United States, I love my country. And part of my loving my country is continuing to be a person who says, okay, so how can I help myself to live out more of our values? How can I be honest in view of the history of my country where we've failed at that? And how can I be part of a collective of us living more towards what we say we aspire to? That's on the political communal level, but I try to do that as a human too, right? Where I have things that I say that I value. I have ways that I want to show up in the world and I don't always you know, fully embody them. Okay. So I see that as an invitation to how can I keep getting in alignment? How can I have people who help me lovingly get back? And in so many ways, that's the call of the prophets. They're the people who as messengers of God come to the people and say, hey, you missed some stuff. Come back, come back. Now, Malachi, again, everyone's favorite book of the Bible, uh, ends what in the Christian canon is the Old Testament. It's right before the book of Matthew and the story of Jesus in the Gospels. Interestingly, and some of you will know this and some of you won't, in the Hebrew Bible and in their canon, it appears in a different place. So what happens in the, in the Hebrew Bible and for Jewish people is you have the Torah, which is the first five books of the Christian Bible as well, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, some of you know that. And um, then, then in the text, it, it goes on and continues forward from the Torah, and you have the prophets, who are a significant part of the Hebrew Bible and the Jewish imagination. Within that context, we actually go to some books that in the Christian scriptures we consider more history, but they consider them prophets. And in that space also, Malachi ends the section of the prophets before it goes into the Psalms. This is sort of random factoids, but I'm going to tell you why I think it also matters, okay? A few different things. One of them is something that blew my mind like two days ago. So for those of you who've already thought of this, you have, you beat me to thinking about it. Um, interestingly, the minor prophets, as we call them in the Christian tradition, are called the 12 in the Hebrew Bible and the Jewish scriptures. It never occurred to me until a couple days ago, because it was always the minor prophets, that there are 12. Okay, this is a big deal that there are 12 minor prophets because there are 12 tribes in the Jewish, right, in the Jewish story and history. So you have 12 prophets who are calling the 12 tribes to remember how they're supposed to live their lives. Okay, so not everyone thought that was as cool as I did, but I really thought it was really cool the other day. I was like, my mind is blown. Okay, but it's what I love about it, though, is it's rhetorically, and it, as they structured the text, a lot of commentators actually think that the book of Malachi was originally a part of the book that precedes it, but they separated it out so that there would be 12. You know, you're like, oh, we only have 11 pieces of candy bar, but we're just going to cut this one, and now we've got 12. We're good, you know? So um, that's the call throughout the prophets is it's a call to the 12 tribes to remember who they're supposed to be. And that is important. A few things about this text uh, and part of what Shelby read for us. So what's happening, and Christian referred to this, covenant is an idea that's really important, particularly uh, in the Hebrew Bible and for the Jewish people. 
at the time when the majority of the Torah and uh, in the imagination for Israel, in the ancient Near East, covenant was something that you would see, there would be covenant between the kings and the people, between the gods and the people. And so for the Israelites, the fact that their relationship with God is rooted in covenant is a way of saying, where do they ground themselves? Who's their king, right? For Israel, there's not supposed to be any other king but Yahweh. Likewise, for Christians, we're not supposed to have any ruler or anyone who's like our, oh, they're everything. It's always supposed to be, how are we in alignment with God? And how, living from that place of alignment, do we then live out the things of God in relationship to one another? So Malachi takes on an interesting form. Uh, a couple of factoids for y'all as we connect this. Um, one is that in the Hebrew Bible, names matter a lot. Okay, This book is, um, Malachi is a name that we don't really see other places. So some folks have questions of if this is more of a, is this an actual person, Malachi, or is it kind of a symbolism of a story of the messenger? Because that's what Malachi means, is my messenger. And the book starts off with the messenger bringing an oracle. An oracle is a sense of it's this heavy burden, this thing that I got to bring to you that's not always easy. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with a friend or a family member when they've maybe, they're making some choices that aren't the best for themselves. And you're like, I don't really want to have this conversation because if I do, it might not go well. I think of that in a way with what's going on here is knowing like what I have to bring isn't like, oh, you're wonderful. Keep up the good work, right? This is an oracle. It's heavy. Um, and the messenger is bringing, though, the word of Yahweh to the people. How this book, it's only four chapters, so you can read it. It's not going to harm you if you do. Four chapters, and it's set up very much like a Greek disputation. If you go through and read, it's really interesting. There's a ton of questions. There's questions from the people. There's questions from Yahweh. There's questions from the messenger that they that go back and forth throughout this text. The people um, are very much in a place where they're like, you maybe have never done this, where, where you're like, oh, but like, what do you mean? I, I, I totally showed up for your thing. And you're like, yeah, but you were there and you looked at me like you wanted me to die. You know, like it's the thing where you say I'm following the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, I'm really not following. So here's some of the questions that the people ask. Um, so Yahweh says to them, I've loved you. And they're like, but how have you loved us? How have we despised your name? How have we polluted the table? Okay, they're like, um, you ask why. How have we wearied you, Yahweh? Where is the God of justice? How can we return? How have we defrauded you? How have we spoken against you? So they're like, you know, prove it. And um, okay, Yahweh, like we, we did the thing. We're fine. Just leave us alone. And then Yahweh asked questions of the people, uh, asking them, like, why have you not shown up? Why have you not shown me the love or the reverence that is due to me? And then also the messenger asked them some questions. This is in chapter two. I love this. The messenger asked the people, are we all not children of God? Did not one God create us? Why then do we break faith with one another and defile the covenant of our ancestors? 
So it's just this challenge to the people, the people who are like, hey, we're totally good. And then you're always like, no, you're not good. Like case in point, um, you're bringing stuff that's just garbage for your offering. You're harming other people. You're acting like you're fine and you're not fine. And so the messenger comes in this place and is calling to the people to remember, to remember who they're called to be and to choose then to walk in the way of covenant faithfulness connected with God. So that's like the framing of what's going on. The part that Shelby read for us is the part where it's it's talking about Levi is the lineage of the priests. And the Levites were supposed to live in covenant faithfulness and represent that to the people. And we see that in the story that that's, again, not what's going on. Shall be read in verse three, my covenant was one of life and peace, being shalom, well-being. But basically the priests themselves aren't interested in participating in that in the way that they're supposed to. And so essentially this entire book then goes through and it's that call to the people You've forgotten. Remember what you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be. Quit with all of your like, oh, but I'm good. And then the book ends um, bringing us to a remembrance that they're actually in the midst of a lot of the folks being like, hey, I'm not interested in covenant faithfulness. There actually is a group. There's always a group that is part of this remembrance. It says, but those who revered Yahweh talked together and Yahweh listened and took note. And so the book ends with that there is a promise of a future. And this is why in the Christian Bible, this book is put before Matthew, because it says, I will send a messenger. And so in the Christian uh, tradition, then we put that book there as a way of saying, this is both John the Baptist, who will then tell us like Jesus is coming and Jesus will be the fulfillment of the covenant. Jesus perfectly walks in right relationship with Yahweh and embodies what God's about in God's kingdom. And so that's why in the Christian Bible, it's placed where it is. Um, so that's essentially like what's going on in the book of Malachi. If you would like to read it on your own and email me with any thoughts that you have or do coffee to talk about the Mal book of Malachi, I'd be happy to do that. Um, but just a couple connections that I want to make then with our own lives. The one of them, them is connected to where I started. And it's just the question about like, where in your own life, um, where in our lives, if we're called to be a people who keep faith with God and with one another, um, both where are some places where maybe you need some messenger in your own life, where maybe you've forgotten or we forget some of the threads or the ways that we're called to live? Who are the people or the places the ways that you get back into alignment when you find yourself, whether it's in your friendships, partnerships, just your life in general when we've lost or you've lost your way. And what does it mean that central in our faith is the prophet? That our faith absolutely invites and calls us home but it's not just in a way that is like, oh, hey, beat up your siblings. That's totally cool. It's something that calls to us to live out our better selves, to be changed and transformed, to take accountability when we lose our way and we harm each other. How does the prophet then 
trouble, shape, inspire your and our lives and our faith to be a people who believe that critique and challenge is part of the way of becoming and being faithful. When I was um, 25, 24 years old, I was involved in a relationship that um, really was not good for me. And one of the greatest gifts of my life was that my friends said something to me. One of my best friends, Lindsay, said, Sarah, I love you. We had been dating technically for two weeks, and we're talking about getting married. <laughs> and she said, I love you. What are you doing? <laughs> um, I remember my brother came over, and my brother's always been a truth person. And I just remember him like looking like this, like, what is going on with this, right? And then another one of my dear friends pulled me aside, right? And their willingness to show up and do that in my life opened me up in a way that I needed. And so I think in this spirit of keeping faith, how do we, with love, um, with seeing being for each other and for who God has called us to be, continue to be a people who invite each other to keep faith um, and to change? <laughs>